0: It's going to feel real good, all right? Most dope. Everybody, please put a thumb in the air. Hey.
1: Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Radio. That's right, BSH Radio. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. It is playoffs. They are here. Playoff hockey starts today. We are recording this on Tuesday. Flyers play Wednesday. I am amped beyond belief. I think my panel is too. So let's get right into it. Let's lead it off with the fly by herself, Kelly Hinkle.
2: I am in fact amped, William, all the way up to eleven. I'm fucking so psyched.
1: I might have to add a 12 or 13 to my amp I It believe. might
2: get there I'm not gonna confirm or deny That 13 might be possible But so far I'm, I'm real psyched
1: You can probably it's, tell it's, <laughs> it's been a long time And we deserve it That's how yes. I feel
2: I'm feeling extremely 2010 With this group And I like it
3: I have such a problem with that I and- don't know why because they didn't win in 2010. I know. 2010 were losers. They were losers because they didn't win. Okay. This is a whole different decade. This is a whole different team, and they're going to win this year.
2: I'm not From. disagreeing with you. Sorry. I had to argue with Stephanie because, of course, I do. I'm just saying that, like, that's the last time I felt so many good feelings.
3: About no, totally. But 2010 was full of losers. 2020 is not.
1: Mike Richards is not a loser. Well, it turns out a ton of those players were winners, just, you know. Just not, not here. Not here. Yeah.
3: listen. <laughs> I'm doing a Bill Matt. They were losers. They didn't win.
1: This is a different year. From theAthletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. Uh,
0: so one thing that I found interesting uh, out of yesterday's uh, coaches' availability with Elaine Vino, um, which just sort of goes to show you that the like the the people actually involved in the game were feeling the exact same way we were feeling, like in the heart of uh, of the pause and everything. And basically, what Vigno said was that. You know, it's it's crazy thinking back like three months ago, he never would have thought they would have a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And it's not because he didn't think the team could win the Stanley Cup. It's because he had serious doubts they were actually going to get a chance to play for the Stanley Cup. And it it was just interesting to hear that because this is an NHL coach admitting that he had the exact same doubts as everyone else, every fan that they were actually going to be able to pull this off and create a successful return to play and actually functionally do a playoffs. And it looks like they're going to be able to pull it off, which is really cool. And just, you just think back to how we were all feeling in May and we were like, well, there's no way. I mean, it'd be cool, but there's no way we're going to get to this point. And they did it. So good, good job guys.
1: I, uh, when you I, I want to continue to give the NHL credit for the way they're pulling this off cuz it's been very good and like those doubts weren't nuts. College football ain't happening now. If this were to be yelling about sports, I'd talk more about how they're just avoiding, you know, uh, re- allowing a player's association basically, but it's not going to happen because of the pandemic. The NFL, God knows, uh, the NBA, the bubble hasn't been as consistent as the NHL. They're doing a hell of a job. Last but certainly not least, Steph Stephlicious D, Steph Driver.
3: So I listened to Kelly Hinkle's interview with the chief business officer of the Flyers. So everybody listened to that. I don't remember his name, but he was the chief business officer. Mike Shane. There we go. Um, and he was talking about different ways that the Flyers are trying to engage fans during this run where there are no fans. And he mentioned the commemorative tickets um which are only five bucks and i decided because the flyers are going to win the cup this year i'm going to buy one for myself for every series and i'm going to frame them and put them on my wall because how often does something like this happen where there are no fans like even if even if they don't win like this is definitely a series that is historical. Like this is something that is probably never going to happen again. And I think that that's cool. So, I'm buying the commemorative tickets for $5.
1: That's actually I saw that and it reminded me of um when I was a kid, half my neighborhood was Flyers fans and half was Devils fans. And in 2000 when they got up 3-1 on the Devils, I was just taunting the hell out of all the Devils fans, just crushing them. And like my one rich friend's dad had season tickets to both through his company, and he was like, "All right, all right, tell me what game for the Stanley Cup you want, and I'll I'll give it to you." I was like, "Yeah, I want Game Four because they're going to sweep it." Well, <laughs> after the Devils come back, um, he gives me the the tickets that had already been printed, and I've had them in my car my whole adult life. Oh my that god! That rolls. I've amazing. been carrying these things around for twenty years just to remind me how bad everyone else is. You're amazing. <laughs>
3: i love that. i love that.
1: Oh, uh, It's, it's buy, such a go good buy the burn. Go commemorative it's,
3: tickets for five bucks. It's
1: such a good burn, but these seem like positive commemorative tickets.
3: And all of the, the money goes to charity. Flyers oh, that's charities. good. Yeah. So I felt fine about giving the Flyers my now $10 because I bought one for the, the round robin round and one for. They're selling them by round, not by game. So, um,
1: I, no, that's cool. That's cool.
3: It's cool. And then my second thing that I wanted to say kind of ties into what Kelly was saying before I jumped in and called her favorite team losers. (laughs) Um, Like, we've earned this good feeling. Like, I, on Saturday night, I couldn't go to sleep until 3 o'clock, 3.30 in the morning because, like, I was just... We have been through so much as Flyers fans, and everyone listening knows exactly how much we've gone through in the past five years, let alone the past 10, 15, 20, 50 years. It's been a really, really, really long time coming to feel good about this team. And the way that they just steamrolled the three best teams in the East to go from fourth to one— it's like we've earned this. Every good feeling, every uneasy feeling, because people are now picking the Flyers as favorites, and and it's uncomfortable. Yeah, for they us. need to
1: cut that shit out.
3: It's uncomfortable, but people are paying attention. People are paying attention to players like Scott Lawton and Nick Aubé-Kubel, as opposed to Sean Couturier and. Claude Giroux, who are also getting attention, but it's the whole team. It's just, it's amazing. This is amazing. This team is amazing. Let's jump into the show, Bill. No, no, oh, one, absolutely. One of, one of
0: one of my friends had a point yesterday where it was like trying to reconcile the simultaneous feeling of not having any idea how to respond to the fact that the Flyers are favored, and also getting unbelievably angry at everyone who doesn't pick the Flyers <laughs> to win the
1: series. Yeah, yeah, no, we contain exactly. multitudes. Like, fuck you if you don't think we're better in Boston. We beat them three times this year, including, like, last week we dominated them. No, please, pick Boston. <laughs> not both at the same time. Uh, yeah, Steph, you, you mentioned two things that I want to get into both. Uh, first, with just my opening take, this isn't, like, a big deal, but I just, I've been watching a lot of old hype videos, like, getting amped, like, ready to run through walls like Kelly, and I just got to say, I don't think it's fair Wayne Simmons isn't here. And not like we should have paid him or anything like that or he's any good anymore, but his career trajectory just was not fair, and I wish he was, like, a coach on this team or something. That's all. Mm. Uh, Like, my God, he was the only good thing about the team for, like, five years uh, Can we
2: have him as the Chris Stewart hype man that we pay for no reason? Yeah, why can't he be
1: everyone's <laughs> best friend? Now, granted, he made like $5 million this year as Fair. opposed to the league minimum, but maybe whatever. he'd be willing. At uh, some point.
3: You know, he he would know better than anyone. Play Claude Giroux on the right side during the power play. Like, yeah, he knows. True. <laughs> he would know better than anyone. So let's hire him for the power play coach.
1: All right, so uh, Steph, you mentioned how the Flyers just kind of steamrolled the other three top teams in the East, and it's really hard to put it any other way. As much as you want to look at the games objectively and think about, you know, are the Flyers really this good? Well, they really just beat the shit out of those three teams, uh, and I just want to talk simply about the way they play. I- I've said during these three post games, dictate the pace, probably a hundred times. The Flyers are controlling games, and Craig had a tweet, uh, I believe, yeah, prior to the Tampa game. He said he wanted to see the Flyers, how the Flyers looked against the Lightning with a lead. They lost 1-0 in the January game. They were down 3-0 early in the second uh, in a 5-3 loss in February. Uh, Going back to last year, they had a bunch of big comebacks, I think, but ended up losing in overtime. Uh, So he wanted to see how the Lightning would handle the Flyers' forecheck. Well, they did not. Uh, the Flyers, even though they didn't start out well, because they typically don't, ended up outshooting Tampa twenty to six in the first, and it's it's basically over from there. NAK gets the two goals, and the Flyers start playing that uh, that heavy four check, great defense game. Uh, they held Tampa to twenty four shots. They averaged thirty one in the regular season. They held. The Caps to 17 shots, 11 at even strength. They averaged 32 in the regular season. Bruins averaged 32. They needed 15 in the third to meet their average. They were down 3-1 to start the third. Flyers are dominating these teams. Is what they're doing sustainable? Like, are they really this fucking good?
2: Well, you see, every team the Flyers play is just having an (laughs) off night. So can't really trust those numbers because, you know. Yeah, like, it looked like,
1: okay, maybe the Bruins aren't ready to go, and then it turns out maybe the Bruins just aren't ready to go for this whole thing. Yeah, right. And then they do it to the Caps, and they do it to the Lightning, the most talented team in the league. Mm. I'm looking at the Flyers thinking, they're really fucking good! So here's my thoughts on this, and
3: I have to say, I think that there was a stretch during the third period of that Lightning game where it was the best hockey I've watched in a very long time. Um... I think that this is sustainable because they haven't really activated their stars yet.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, this is,
3: this is all coming from secondary scoring. Um, You know, you're, you're seeing Kevin Hayes just fucking be a beast out there and he's all over the place and Travis Konechny all over the place, but they're not scoring the goals. They're getting the assists and Scott Lawton is scoring the goals this is this is definitely a team that has the depth to keep this up. Now, if you want to say, is it possible to only give up one, two goals for, you know, the foreseeable future? Maybe, but, you know, again, I'm all in on Carter Hart, so,
1: yeah. yeah and like, think about the goals that even went in. Like, the first one is that wraparound that hits Robert Haig. The, the second, second one, one
3: also hits well, Robert Haig. The, the Hague. second one
1: I'll actually blame on Haig. The first one I think was just <laughs> bad luck. I think he played it right. The second one, he got muscled out in front and he was in bad position. And the third one is a like a pass from behind the net, mini two-on-one down low, Tampa's on the power play. Like There's nothing that could have been done about any of those three goals and they still were like, eh, they could have not gone in just as easily. So I'm gonna I'm gonna
0: pump my own tires a little bit here Uh-oh. because I do think that like one one point I made going into the playoffs, which was more a theory than anything else, was that the Flyers had a really good chance of getting off to a faster start in this return to play than most teams because of the experience they had at the beginning of the season simplifying their game so much that they could just win by playing this ridiculously north-south game while everyone else was trying to re-remember how to play the creative hockey that they tend to use to succeed. And I think truthfully that's exactly what happened during the round robin. The Flyers were just just running it down everyone's throats. And basically the the other teams were like, Well, what do we do? And we can't, you know, string together five or six really, really tough passes to create our goals. And the Flyers are like, No, we're just gonna forecheck you to death. And it worked extremely well because all those teams were out of sync. And, like, are the Flyers totally in sync? No, they're not. As as Steph said, the big guns haven't really gotten going. The power play hasn't been working. But it hasn't mattered because the Flyers are so comfortable playing this north-south, straight-ahead, four-check-you-to-death game and those other teams aren't, that at this stage, when that's the only way you're going to be able to dominate teams, the Flyers are uniquely capable of dominating teams. Now what's going to be interesting to me is as teams start regaining that chemistry, that offensive chemistry, and it's going to happen, then – do the Flyers adapt? And that's why I liked what I saw in the Tampa game so much because, yeah, the power play didn't didn't get going, but you started seeing the Flyers hitting on those creative passing plays again. You you saw that setup, that, that whole sequence that ended in the Farabee goal. You know with Kature outworking Sorelli ghost like doesn't even hesitate just sends that cross pass over to Fairview blessed and I like, think this was the first game where the Flyers were not not just out of nowhere having a good play that ends in a goal like the Lawton goals in the uh, in the I think it was the Washington game but they were consistently creating dangerous offensive opportunities via the pass and that leads me to believe that the Flyers may, be getting the hang of this whole offensive chemistry thing again and if they can add that in to the forechecking game that's still working this team gets really scary. Like my big fear for the first round was that the Flyers were going to run into a team that started figuring out the offensive chemistry before they did. And the Flyers were still playing this like ridiculously basic game and it just wasn't going to work. Cause I think that's what happened to the Flyers in like November and December, um, especially after, um, especially in that little like run, run up um, in the wake of the Limblom diagnosis where they just started struggling a bit. And, I think they were still playing this ridiculous jumped up and chase game, and other teams were now firing all, on all cylinders, and they were taking the Flyers apart a little bit. And then the Flyers started playing a more creative game, and they started flipping the script in January. Well, at some point, teams like the Lightning, if they survive, are going to figure out the offense thing. And then it's going to come down to whether the Flyers can adapt to that again. But in, the, in this early part of the playoffs, I think the Flyers, this simple game they're playing is... It's it's perfect for this, and we saw it in the round robin. They just were running over these teams that, on paper, might be more talented than the Flyers.
1: Charlie, I love I love how you feared that the Flyers would run into a team in the first round that had a bunch of offensive creativity and chemistry, and it turns out they're running into a team with no good forwards. Yeah, I think that's fun. <laughs> yeah, no, but,
0: but like that—that's part of
1: it, though. Is that if you, if
0: you really think about it, like most of the teams. That are playing well right now are that very straight ahead style. Like the Vegas Golden Knights just attack you to death. They they they're straight ahead, they pressure the hell out of you, and what do they do? They got the one seed. I've been watching tape on Montreal the last last like 24 hours or so, and they are like the most basic team I can think of. Like they do nothing interesting. But that's the thing. Like, in this in this stage, it kind of makes sense that they would upset the Penguins because they're not trying to do interesting things. They're just trying to make the smart play, the high percentage play, and then work you to death afterwards. Whereas the Penguins are trying to you know, be creative and do these highlight reel plays. So a lot of the teams that are doing better than expected in my mind, it's partially because they are—they're keeping it simple. And at some point, that's going to turn, I believe. But it, right now, the Flyers are extremely well suited for, in my mind, for what's working well at this stage of the return to play.
3: Now, you mentioned Shane Spare. How good did he look in just that one game that we saw? Oh,
0: so good. Yeah, he looked really good. In, in, really in, in good. Tampa
3: game.
1: If I mean, if that's—and we're going to get into Ghost and in some of the lineup, uh, some of the lineup decisions Av has to make, but. If that's the ghost we're gonna get, this team is dangerous. Like are more dangerous because who has a third pair with that kind of dynamic ability? I I
3: mean, other teams should just pack it in because if, they really if should. we are getting this Shane Gosses Bear. I think it was it was um, Kurt's tweet during the game. Like if this is the Shane Gosses Bear that we're getting, just give up because there's there's no way that other teams can compete.
1: Now, we, we can talk about, like, finding that timing, that offensive chemistry and all that. Uh, guys like Shane Gostispey maybe being difference makers when we didn't think that was a possibility. But it seemed throughout, uh, the last time I heard the players speak uh, and the coach, it seemed a pretty common theme that they all were like, yeah, we played pretty well in the round robin. Like, none of them were satisfied with what they with what they put out on the ice in those three games. They, they recognize they won and they came what they did to do, but it seems like they all think there's another level. Is there? Like, have we not seen the best of this Flyers team? I think there definitely is another level.
2: Like, base level, it's just, like, the power play starts scoring. Because if the power play starts scoring, like, look out. Because they've scored a ton of goals at even strength. So if they start scoring on the power play going to be a problem for the rest of these teams and then also as Steph said earlier we're not even looking at the top end guys getting anything going really apart from Scott Lawton on the second line so once those guys get going and you know that they will because they're very good hockey players like there's another thing that you're gonna have to worry about so I think there's definitely a whole other tier of good that can come out of this team that they haven't shown yet
3: yeah I can totally picture Claude Giroux being like yeah, it was fine in a game yeah, where they won I sucked, 4-1 but right. over <laughs> over the the Lightning. Like, yeah, it was fine. Like, well, of Claude course Giroux, that would be Claude <laughs>
1: got Getting back to Giroux for a second, he did admit, like, I think it was him and Nate Thompson both said, uh, yeah, uh, the qualifying round probably was more intense than the round robin, and maybe that is an advantage for Montreal because they are more in that playoff mode. I don't think this is going to be a very close series, but is that one place where Montreal has an advantage? Is it that it was so much more intense, and they do have that going? Do you fear that that they're ready, that they're more ready for playoff hockey? So I, it,
2: it, oh sorry, go ahead, Charlie.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting you say that because so I actually I think this is going to be a closer series than than most people think. I I, I have the Flyers winning, but I have them winning in six. Oh. Uh, I don't think the Flyers are going to blow Montreal out of the water, but. I also think this whole, the Flyers aren't ready for the intensity is overblown. Uh, And here's why. Because the one thing that really struck me about a lot of the post-game interviews that we were getting with Flyers players after these wins was that, and they they weren't coming right out and saying this, but you could sort of read between the lines of what they're saying, is that they kind of think they're playing at playoff level intensity and, they and their just, opponents were. Yeah, they just kind of can't grasp why these teams they're playing aren't. It's like, like, look, like we're taking this really seriously. We're going out there. We're acting like this is the playoffs. And the only thing that's missing, it's nothing that the Flyers are doing. It's that they don't have someone that's punching back. And that's maybe going to be the one thing that's different is I'm sure Montreal will punch back. But like, and yeah, probably when they get into a dogfight with someone, the flyers will then have to up their level naturally. But I think that's going to come naturally. I don't think I don't think having. Like, it'd be one thing if they were playing like Boston and they were just like, I don't know whether Boston's just bad now or if they really just didn't care, but they're, they to me could have some real trouble kicking into high gear. The Flyers are already kind of kicking it into high gear. They just need that little extra push. They need that little push from the other team that says like, okay, we're serious about this too. And then I think the Flyers will find that extra gear, but I think it'll be easier for them to find that extra gear because they're already playing at a high level. Like, they just need someone to push them a little bit more. And, like, I could see maybe, like, the first period of game one. Maybe they're a little bit off because, first off, they always start out slow. Secondly, because Montreal may just be a little bit more, you know, adapted to the pace. But I don't think it's going to take very long for the Flyers to catch up because it's like, oh, this, this is what it feels like to play a team that's actually acting like this is the playoffs. Okay, let's match them. And then there we go.
2: So a thing that's interesting about that is that I talked to some Habs people yesterday, um, ahead of the series, and one of the things that they kind of said over and over again was, I I wonder how the Habs are gonna be able to do against a team that isn't just rolling over and dying. Like their <laughs> like their thought was that Pittsburgh really wasn't putting up as tough a fight as they expected them to. And they're wondering how they're going to do against a team like the Flyers that's very clearly kind of firing on all cylinders to start out with. So I'm not entirely sure that it's going to be that big of a a difference as far as intensity levels go. Because the Habs fans don't seem to think that they had much of a fight from Pittsburgh at all.
3: I just like I can't live in a world where people are taking the Montreal Canadiens seriously. Like, they have no business even being in the postseason. They were, what, the, the 24th? The 12th team, yeah. But, like, out of the entire league, number 24? Like
2: I know, but they got some stuff.
3: They don't. They've got Carey Price no, and Jordan Wheel things. and Dale Weiss. Man, like, Nick Suzuki's playing really well.
1: He's Dale Weiss from now on. He's back <laughs> He's to Weiss. Dale
3: Weiss. And Jordan Wheel, notorious locker room cancer. He's
2: not playing though.
3: Parody parody. He's not for the start. It doesn't matter. Like they've got Carey Price, and Carey Price is in a good goalie. Like that's that's indisputable. But like, I, there's nothing about the Canadians that scares me. Sure, they just beat the Penguins, but so did the Flyers. I mean, I I at
2: the start of this entire tournament situation like before any of the games were played I was kind of on the same page as you like yeah if if the Canadians get through whoever gets them like super lucky but like looking a little bit more into them I think there are some reasons to at least think to yourself that there is a possibility like there are things that could happen specifically Carey Price being lights out that could give the Flyers troubles I mean I don't think I'm like, Charlie, I don't think that the Flyers are going to lose this series. I've, I have them in five when I did my bracket, but I don't think it's going to be like a blowout five games. Like I think they're going to be like tightly matched, hard-fought games. I don't think it's going to be as easy for the Flyers as some people are thinking. I mean, hopefully it will be. That'll be nice. But I do think that they're going to have some trouble with the Habs.
3: The Habs lost every single game that they played against the Detroit Red Wings this season.
2: They did do that, but they beat the Flyers once.
3: They lost every single game they played against <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings. This season, with this team, I, I have the Flyers in a sweep. You know, I said that the Flyers were going to sweep the round robin. None of y'all took me seriously. I think the Flyers are going to sweep the Canadians. I just, this is not a scary team to
0: me. Steph thinks the Flyers are going to win 16 consecutive games. Well, actually, no, I didn't actually 19 actually if you count the round robin.
1: I did not say that. <laughs> Stephanie is just brand dominating me right let's now. Let's get into uh, <laughs> let's get into this matchup between the Flyers and the Canadians. Uh, Philly went two one and zero against the Habs this year. Uh, they won a couple games in overtime in November. Of course, we all remember the awesome Proverov play. Couturier also had one in the first fifty five seconds of OT. But then in January, they lose four to one to the Habs. Uh, since then, the Flyers have gone nineteen four and one. Take that for what it's worth, Uh, but we're in a weird spot because for the first time since the second round of 2012, I can't even imagine in the first round that the Flyers would have been favored, but for the first time since then, the Flyers are a favorite in a playoff series and a pretty heavy favorite. They are the one seed in the East going against, you know, what was the 12 seed in the East until uh, until they, you know, go and beat the five and the Pens. So, uh, like, we all, Steph's picking a sweep. Me and Kelly are saying five. Charlie's saying six. Um, so what do the Habs actually have to do to make this a series? Uh, I mean, number is one. Is it just Carey Price has to steal two games? Well, I, I, I mean, Carey, I Price has,
0: Carey Price has to be good. Like, th- the thing is, if, if Carey Price is as good by the numbers as he was against – the Penguins, then the Flyers basically need Carter Hart to be really good too, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. But Carey Price was really freaking good. Like basically, it, on average, he stopped 1.4 goals above expectation across the four games, which means that every two games, he was basically preventing an extra three goals from going in the net. If that's happening, the Flyers are in trouble and they need Carter Hart to basically match him. I don't think Harry Price is going to play that well, in part because I just don't think goalies generally speaking can sustain that level of play for three four weeks at once but also because the flyers the flyers are a creative offensive team and i think they're going to find ways to score in ways that the penguins maybe couldn't because they were not clicking and Sidney crosby is still not at 100 and things like that um that said like what, what does montreal need to do aside from carrie price because he's the obvious i think you know it's funny people people bring up the loss the Flyers had to them in January because, yeah, they lost that game. But the Flyers were in the second game of a road home back-to-back. They'd, they'd won this emotional game against the St. Louis Blues the night before in St. Louis. Alex Lyon was starting against the Canadians. And if you watch that game, the Flyers honestly outplayed them. Like, the, the, the third period, Montreal came on strong because the game was over. The Flyers were down 4-1. The Flyers were the better team in that game. I I rewatched that game last night, and there was nothing in that game that worried me. You go back to the games that were earlier in the year, the games they wanted overtime, and those, to me, more had the blueprint of how Montreal could win this series, which is the thing with Montreal is that their biggest strength is that they're fast. They are a fast team. They play fast, and they are fast. So a lot of what they do and a lot of how they succeed is, number one, if you make, if you have structural mistakes, if you're set up in your four check and one guy makes a mistake, they're going to pounce on it and they're going to attack you on the breakaway. They're going to attack you in an odd man rush. So number one, Flyers got to avoid those structural mistakes, which obviously they did less of as the season went on, but we're still talking about a return to play. Not everybody's super sharp. Second, the Canadians don't, they're not a very creative team. And this goes back to what what Bill was saying, you know, the fact that their forwards kind of suck and they're not I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word suck, but they don't have the type of high-end guys.
1: For the a team talent. in these Stanley Cup yeah. playoffs, yeah. they do not have the high-level talent you would no. expect. No, they don't.
0: But what they do is basically they pretty much shoot from anywhere. They shoot for rebounds and then they are really good at getting pucks back like they get and I'm not even talking about like like rebound second chance opportunities. I'm talking like take a shot, goes to the corner, they go in the corner and they get to the puck first. Like that's how they do it. That's how they they keep these cycles going. So the Flyers are going to have to win those races. They're going to have to win those puck battles. Like this in in a way it, it could end up really playing to the Flyers' benefit in um you know in the playoffs in terms of preparing them for future rounds because they're going to to win this series the flyers are going to have to outwork the montreal canadiens like if they out-talent them then that's one thing but like to really really win this series and to win it comfortably they're going to have to be winning puck races they're going to have to be winning puck battles and they're going to have to come with their a intensity game and if they do that, that really is going to I think prepare them for the rest of the playoffs because then they're going to be playing against other teams that are more talented. But that's the big thing with Montreal. They they're, they are they're a strong work ethic team, they're a fast team. So the Flyers can't make too many mistakes in structure and they got to really they they can't be lagging. They have to be racing to loose pucks. They have to be giving it their all in puck battles and I think they're going to do it. But that's the real challenge for them in my mind. The challenge for them is to make sure they match the intensity of the Canadians and don't, don't sag at all. Because if they do, the Canadians will be on them.
3: <clears throat> Fuck the Canadians. <laughs> that was
2: actually a, sorry, I was going to say that was a big theme also um, that we talked about when I was talking about the Habs, that the Habs did a really good job against the Penguins capitalizing on mistakes. Um, we talked a lot about Jack Johnson <laughs> Sucking, and they were wondering if, if the Flyers had a Jack Johnson, which I confirm that we do. Um, and they were saying that, like, you know, big Jack Johnson mistakes were ending up in the back of the net because the Habs were doing such a good job taking advantage of breakdowns from the pens. So, yeah, like Charlie said, the Flyers are going to have to, you know, not make huge glaring mistakes in their own end because they, they are good enough to take advantage of them.
1: Kelly, who scares you in
2: Montreal's lineup? Suzuki, because he's really fast and good and is scoring goals. So, And they also did a thing, um, I think Charlie talked about it in his article, that um, they broke up their top line in the Penn Series. They kind of started to spread around the talent a little bit. Um, and from what I've gathered, Suzuki is playing extremely well. He's kind of the guy that is going to kill you, if anyone's going to on the Canadians right now. And then Carey
1: Price. Always. It, yeah. I mean, it's I, – I think it is – I think in terms of style, this could be – like Kelly said, I I, I think this is going to be a five-game series, but the games themselves could be close. We've gone to mm. overtime twice, and like Charlie said, we outplayed them in January and still ended up losing 4-1 to one with, you know, Alex Lyon in net, but still it happened. Uh, it's, like, stylistically, I think this could be a good challenge for the Flyers, but I don't know if there's any one guy who I think, yeah, he's just gonna go off and we're in trouble. Suzuki's very good, but when you talk, oh, let's not make structural mistakes, that's our thing! That's what the Flyers do, is kind of just not let you build up momentum on them. You're very rarely getting behind the Flyers, so I, I, I think... They're gonna walk away with this thing. Let's talk about some of the matchups, though. Hold on,
3: I also wouldn't put Robert Hague at Jack Johnson level. Oh, I mean Jack Johnson is is an abomination, and also Robert Hague. If Shane Gossesberg continues to play the way that he is, Robert Hague isn't gonna play in a game. I
1: mean, here's hoping, but you never know. And like, yeah, Robert Hague like doesn't do a ton, but I wouldn't say he like ever makes huge, glaring mistakes all that often. Except
3: yeah. for when he's scoring goals for the other team. But own, that was just the round goal twice.
1: <laughs> no, I, I would
0: I would agree with that with, with Bill, that I don't think that Haig, like, the Jack Johnson love on the part of the Penguins coaching staff is mind-boggling to me mm-hmm. because he gets killed possession-wise and he makes all these glaring mistakes that are just awful. Whereas with Haig, I get it a little bit more because, yeah, he gets killed possession-wise, but, like there's a soundness to his game. Like, he's a death-by-a-thousand-cuts type of defenseman. He's not a guy—like, there's a difference between a Hague and a McDonald. Like, McDonald—McDonald McDonald was bad possession-wise, and he would make these awful mistakes, whereas Hague is just kind of bad possession-wise. And if you put him with Justin Braun, like, the whole reason why, the, why that third pair is bad possession-wise— and it's not even that bad. I think it finished with, like, a, a 49% expected goals percentage, which, which for a third pair, is it's fine. Um, that was all because they just didn't create anything. Defensively, they were good. It was just, you know, the those formulas are formulas. It's offense divided by you know total total uh, you know expected goals on the ice. And the Flyers didn't create much, but they also weren't giving up much either. So it's one of those things where like Hake maybe hurts you there, but I don't think he's going to kill you. And I agree that if he is, if he does start to kill you, then I don't think. And I don't even think it's a foregone conclusion that he starts the series in the lineup considering how well Ghost looked on, uh, how good Ghost looked in, uh, in the Tampa game. That's what I game. just said. But what I'm saying is that if he does, if Haig does start, I don't think they will hesitate. Like, if Haig has a bad game, one, well, I don't think they'll hesitate to put Ghost in. Whereas Pittsburgh, you know, Jack Johnson had a bad games one through three and they kept <laughs> using it. I don't think the Flyers will be that patient with Robert Haig. I hope not.
3: Once again, Charlie O'Connor stealing all of my ideas. <laughs>
1: Uh, we're gonna. What we're going to do right now is take a quick break and we'll be back on the other side, talk about some matchups, talk about the power play, talk about Hart first price. That's all coming up right after this commercial break. All right, everybody, here we go. Uh, we talked about the next level the Flyers have to get to, and really the simplest thing they have to do to be even better than the team that swept around Robin uh, and earned the number one seed it's it's very easy. It's The top line starts scoring goals. I think they did a great job of canceling out other top lines. You look at the possession numbers from that Boston game. My God, it was – Boston should have been embarrassed by the way they got owned. Uh, the perfection line wasn't so perfect in that one. But we're looking at Couturier, Voracek, and G. Uh, Kutz has two assists, Voracek one assist, G zero points. That's all they put up in those three games. If you were to say, like, oh, yeah, your three best forwards aren't going to score and we're going to get, you know, the number one seed, that's pretty awesome. But they're going to need to start coming through on offense, whether it's at even strength or on the power play at some point. What's going on with them? Do you think it's just it's cool they didn't and they will, or is it a concern that they haven't produced any offense?
3: Quite honestly, I could not care less at this point. Because the Flyers are are winning games. They'll get it together. I could not care less that they didn't score.
2: I'm going to be interested to see. I feel like with the three teams that we played in the round robin, there's like a very defined and extremely talented top line that Sean Couturier and the rest of the top line have to be matched up against in order for the Flyers to win those games. I'm wondering if Montreal's lack of like a clear top line full of Dynamic offensive talent, like without having to shut down someone, you know, like the perfection line, is the Couturier line going to do better offensively? I'm assuming yes, but I don't know. I guess we'll see.
0: I mean, the big thing with this series, as we already talked about, is that the Flyers have better high end players Mm -hmm. than than Montreal. So that's the easiest path for them to win the series is that. Couturier and Giroux and Voracek, who looks like he's probably going to play in game one. He was practicing yesterday. Um, Kinect-
1: what happened to Voracek? I know they're not telling us anything, but, like, I don't remember him getting hurt. So it looked like um, at the
0: end of the, uh, I guess it would have been the Thursday game against the Capitals, it looked like as he was leaving the ice after they left the bench, uh, after the final buzzer, it looked like he was, like, flexing his uh, his right shoulder. Um it did. He didn't look terribly hampered in his final shifts, and I watched him. It didn't seem like there was anything that, uh, you know, any hit or anything that, that led me to believe that that's where he got hurt. But it did look like he was kind of trying to loosen it up a little bit, and it looked like – you can't fully tell. Obviously, I'm not in the bubble. It looked like rather than go to congratulate Brian Elliott, as they do, you know, go over to the net and bump him on the head or whatever, it looked like he turned and went straight to the locker room. So – if I had to guess, I'm guessing it's something to do with that. I don't know for sure, but just looking at the visual evidence, something to do with that. But again, he's practicing. The guy doesn't miss games. I think he's going to play. Getting back to what I was saying, though, the Flyers just have such such a an advantage from a high end talent standpoint that that's where like if if this series is a sweep, it's going to be because the power play starts clicking in game one and the Couture line just runs over everybody. And I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility because no, I, as 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 Kelly said, like. Like, I understand why Montreal moved to no off the top line. I get the importance of depth. Like, look at the Flyers. But you're going to put Sean Katuri against Nick Suzuki, a rookie? Like, that's going to be your matchup? Like, good luck, kid. That's
3: adorable. (laughs) That's the cutest thing I've ever heard.
1: I'm not – like, in terms of offensive production, I think the power play will eventually get going because – this is what power plays are. I, I always compare them to power hitters. When they're hot, they carry you for two weeks. When they're cold, they're swinging at sliders in the dirt, and you're like, what the fuck? But you just take the good with the bad. The fact that they didn't score a power play goal in the round robin leads me to believe that they're due, and they will score a bunch eventually. Something that does concern me, though, and I I, I hate to go down this path because I want to be positive, and I'm, I'm picking them in five. I think all things are good. Claude Giroux has a little bit something to prove in the postseason. In his first 47 career playoff games, 53 points. In his, last 12, in his last 25, 12 points. Four points in his last 15 playoff games. I know these are small sample sizes. I know Claude Giroux is a good player. I know a lot of things went wrong in these previous playoff series that led to him not producing. But the fact is, the captain of the team has not come up big in the playoffs recently. Does he have something to prove? I'm going to fight no, you. No, I am
3: absolutely not entertaining. Not even. I am not entertaining this, this thought Why process. not? Because it's ridiculous.
1: His numbers are ridiculous. Ridiculously bad.
3: It's ridiculous. Are well, you, are last... you. Ugh, go on. Go, Kelly, go on. No, I, I was just going to say, like, the last
2: time we were in the playoffs, it was a hack team, and they shouldn't have even been there. Like, let's not. He shouldn't to... have scored a goal? Look, it. I'm not. We're not doing the Claude Giroux as a bad captain and a bad leader. I'm not leader. saying
1: he's a bad captain. I'm saying doesn't he have a little bit something to prove coming off of a bunch of bad playoff series in a row?
3: No. <laughs> Next question. I, I'm. I'm. I'm legitimately not entertaining this bullshit radio argument. I we're mean, not. Like, we are not doing this.
2: If he was like generally shitty, then perhaps. But like. I think we've had this conversation about 10 million times about Claude Giroux that, like, he does a lot more besides the scoring points stuff. Like, he's not playing poorly. I don't think. Would anyone
1: say he played well in the Washington or Penguins playoff series? I wouldn't. I, I don't just don't remember. know. I, I, I don't love the idea of
0: like lumping them all together. Like, do I think Claude Drew needs to play well? Yeah, it would be great if Claude Drew plays well. And I'm rooting for him to play well, not just because it would help the Flyers a lot, but also because I just want to this, I want this narrative to fucking die. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that's, that's what I the would love for him reason. to produce. But I just, I don't like the idea of being like, well, he wasn't good in the last few playoff series. Like, we're literally lumping like, like, A week and a half in 2018 with a week and a half in 2016 and then however long that Ranger series was or whatever and being like they constitute a trend. Like, there's just—to me, you can't—like, that's the—to me, that's the epitome of cherry-picking. Like, okay, I can tell you that, like, for a week in the 2017-2018 season, in February, Drew was bad. So that means that he's just bad. Like,
1: But we know that the playoffs are just more important. Like, you can say it's a small sample size and all that, but the reason it's a small sample size is because they haven't won a playoff round. Because, in part, he hasn't done his part. Like, but he's done but, all... he's done but he's
0: done his part before. So I just I, I don't know why it's like, well, what, did, just, did something just change in, in 2016 or whenever we're, we're arbitrarily starting this Claude Drew is bad in the playoffs thing? Like, no, he's still the same guy. Maybe he's a little older. But to me, it's like if, if you're going to look at playoff production, I feel like you have to look at the whole thing. I don't love the idea of arbitrary endpoints saying like, well, from you know 2008 through 2013, he was a great playoff player, and now he's magically a bad playoff player. Player. No, you look at the, the entirety of the resume, and you could say Claude Drew is a pretty darn good playoff player. And that's what I would use to, to predict what is likely to happen in the playoffs this time, not the last couple playoff series.
1: I want everybody to give me their ob- objective opinion on Shane Gostas despair. Like, how good do you think he actually is, and how much better do you think he makes the team than Haig?
3: We're just glossing. We're just. We're done with you. You told me we're moving
1: on five minutes ago. I'm now moving on. Everyone made their point.
3: Remember when you said that Claude Giroux's career was over?
1: Yeah, he looked like he was trending down. He came back from the injuries. It's it was very nice to see.
3: This argument is worse than that. Is all I'm saying. Um, So Shane Goss despair. Um, Now it looks like he's back on form. I mean, he makes the team. 30 times better than Robert Haig does. 30
2: seems like a fair, like 42% better with Shane Goss.
0: (laughs) It would be a lot of fun if, if Vino decides to roll. God, I hope he does. I just like my hunch is that he won't just because it really did seem like it really did seem like they were kind of, setting it up for Robert Haig to be the, the defenseman who goes in the start of the playoffs just because the entirety of camp, Ghost is on a pair with Friedman. You know, he Haig played in the first two round Robin games. Like it just seemed like that's what they were setting it up for. But man, Ghost looked good on Saturday. Like that was that was Shane pair. And, you know, I I've, I guess there's probably two schools of thought when you look at this matchup as to putting Ghost in. Like to be clear, I, I think Ghost should be in because I think he's the better player. But I talked about the things that the Flyers are going to need to do to win the series and things they're going to need to avoid. One thing they're going to need to do, which Ghost helps out big time, is they're going to need to take advantage of that high-end talent advantage, that ability to be creative and to create the types of chances that the Canadians just can't. They're just not able to create. They're, they don't have the ability to do it. Ghost 100% helps the Flyers there. I mean, that pass that he made to Ferriby in, in the, the Saturday game was that so was, good. It was, it was just – it wasn't even like – he didn't even think. That was that's great Shane Goss bear because that's Shane Goss bear not overthinking. Like, no, I, don't, I often- don't even think he I don't even think he accepted that that puck. He just like basically just slapped past it across the ice to Farabee. That Shane Goss bear. At the same time, if Ghost has a flaw, is that he can sometimes fall out of structure. And against this Canadiens team, they will kill you if you fall out of structure. So that's kind of the back and forth. Do you? Do you take the big-time advantage he gives you in terms of offensive creativity and take the risk that he might fall out of structure a couple times and give up a breakaway? I would take the risk, but that's... If they go with Haig, it's that that second half of it is, is why they go with Haig versus Ghost, I think.
1: That's... I When when Haig played the second-round-robin game, he played the two in a row, I was like, oh, so Ghost really isn't in this thing. Like, it's, it's Haig. He's in the lineup. Yeah, and then he just... That pass, I can't it's exactly what you wanna see out of him. We talk all the time about what's what's his problem. He's too critical of himself. He loses uh he loses confidence in himself. That was the most confident I've seen Shane Gosses Bear since twenty eight what, twenty seventeen, eighteen. Like he just looked like that's that one dynamic play and he made other plays. He had the uh, uh the shot from the point that uh that got put in, so he just looked more like himself than he than he has in a long time, if he's back, like, okay, yeah, it was my knee, now my knee is okay, everything's fine, man, he makes the team so much better. I just want to see him play more, but it's the playoffs, it's not try guys out time. So I, I'm i very interested in, to see what Elaine Vigneault does, because it will take faith in Yeah, Ghost is the guy I've never even coached before. He's this guy I heard about and maybe coached against a few times, but it never got to see this season. It'll take his faith in that to get him in the lineup, especially for a game one. I'd love to see it, but is there something to he and Braun just not maybe being a perfect fit for each other? You think they are, but they haven't been.
2: Oh, I thought Steph was going to say something. I do. I do wish that pair worked better. And I wonder if it would if it got a lot of time together. But like you said, you just don't have the time to figure this stuff out right now. It's got to work kind of immediately. And if it doesn't, you have to adjust. I just don't. I I mean, I understand why you would plan for Haig at the start. Like that would be the guy that you're going to assume is going in. But I just don't know how you watch that game against Tampa. And not be like, oh, no, never mind. We're going to go with this one (laughs) because this was way better. But, you know, coaches.
1: Okay. Uh, (laughs) I I just thought someone else was going to say something. Uh, Yeah, uh, let's get to the the forwards and the odds and ends in the lineup. Uh, First, James Van Riemsdyk. is he going to be a part of this thing? What's up with him, man?
3: That's a great question. Like, we were
1: talking, okay, yeah, he's on the fourth line, he's on the third line, he's nice depth, wherever you put him, it's fine. it works. Uh, You can use him on the power play still, so it's cool, but they don't seem all that married to JVR. Is he already a Kraken? I,
3: I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I have very little insight, or really opinions. Um... You know, the the only thing I have to say is that the fourth line was producing with him there. Whether he had a part in that, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I definitely don't want to take away from NAK, but, you know, maybe JVR had a part in that. I have no idea. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with that dude. It's, it's a weird
0: situation. Like To me, it's, it's a no-brainer. You have to have JVR in the lineup just because he's one of their 12 best forwards. But it does seem like they... What's hurting him right now, I think, is this feeling that they're not totally comfortable with Joel Faraby as a fourth liner. So if you feel like you have to get Joel Faraby into the top nine, then Joel Faraby is objectively outplaying James Van Riemsdyk which is what makes it tough. Like for me my my view is that I think JVR is essential to this lineup because I don't think Derek Grant is a good third line center. So if you want to use Derek Grant as a third-line center, you got to give him as much help on the wing as you can. And to me, that's ideally James Van Reems like on, on the left and Nicholas Alba on the right because you have a great four-checker and a guy who's playing great hockey in Alba Cubel. And then you got JVR, who actually was the Flyers' best play-driving winger the entire season. So you're giving Grant as much help as you can on that third line, help that, like, as much as I like Joel Farabee, I don't think Farabee gives that degree of help to grant that that jvr does and i think farabee will be fine on the fourth line however they've been using thompson a couple times they definitely did it against washington they use thompson as something of like a secondary shutdown line they used him a lot against ovechkin and the concern might be that they don't Think Farabee is ready for that on the fourth line. So if you're looking at it, that your fourth line is Bunneman, Thompson, and and Pitlick, and they're your secondary shutdown line. And you got to keep that first line together. You got to keep that second line together. That leaves three wing spots for James Van Reems like Joel Farabee and Nicholas q Cubell. And truthfully, JVR is playing the worst out of those three guys right now. So that's what makes all of this tough. It comes down to how you're going to use that fourth line, and um and then just how desperate you are to keep Joel Farabee in this lineup. Those are the two things I think that are working against JVR right now.
1: Uh, Like JVR, we can talk about how he kind of had a a down season numbers wise. He ended up playing 66 games, same number as he did last year. Uh, He scored eight fewer goals, but Charlie just talked about how good of a play driver he was this year. And honestly, if you watched he created more scoring chances than anybody on the team by like a large margin he they just weren't going in he could have had 35 goals this year easy but he just had a weird year I thought but man the coach doesn't seem all that confident in him to give him like his own spot in the lineup like this is where you play is he just worse than I think he is
3: I don't think so I He's streaky. We know that about goal scorers. Yeah. We know that they're streaky. Like I said, I just have no answers. I, I can't, like, Derek Grant is our third line center, which is just suck. I I don't know, man. It's a long-ass
2: cold streak is all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> I've had about enough of it. I, I thought like, JVR. You've always hated JVR. It's true. I have a historical hatred in my heart that's yeah. hard for me to ignore.
0: <laughs> I thought JVR looked good in the second period of the Saturday's game. I thought he was making plays, he was setting up guys for chances. I thought that was the best he looked since in my mind since the start of camp. Like I I, I had a like I wouldn't say I had a disagreement, but like I don't think JVR has looked good since the start of camp. Elaine Vigneault has said a couple of times that he thinks JVR was good in camp. He just hasn't been that good in Toronto. But I do think that Saturday on the second period of Saturday was the first time I was watching the JVR that we were hoping to get the thing is is that Farrabee was great the whole game so it's tough again like my thing is get the best guys in the lineup and figure it out from there and i think both jvr and joel farabee are two of the 12 best fours they have in the lineup but again comes down to how they want to use that fourth line if they want to use that fourth line as a secondary shutdown line jvr definitely isn't a shutdown forward and i don't think Farrabee is yet so that's what makes it tough
1: is Connor Bunneman actually a shutdown forward? I like the guy. He's a nice little fourth liner. Uh, I think he doesn't, a he, better- doesn't, he doesn't cheat. Though that's okay. the thing.
0: Like like JVR can cheat a little bit. Okay. You know, he can cheat for offense. Bunneman knows his role and plays it, and he's a better
1: skater than I think people give him credit for. He improved a lot in that area over the oh, summer. and so. he gets he gets in on the forecheck and and does very well. Uh, yeah. quite a yeah. bit. I don't have a problem with Bunneman in my lineup. I just think. They have twelve better forwards, but exactly. whatever. I- I'm not. Th- again, these aren't things I want to spend a ton of time on because we complained about this shit enough when they were bad. They're good now. The coach is good. I'm not going to question it. So I want to move on to uh, Price versus Hart, the uh, one of the best goalies of this generation against a-, a kid who grew up idolizing him in 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 Hart. Uh, man, th- I want to tell everyone to just take all the unders in this series. But I don't want to be held responsible if this shit turns into the 2012 Penguins series all over again. But if you're going to ask me what I'm doing, I'm hammering some unders in this one. Uh, is, is this just going to be a low-scoring series because of these two and how good? Like, Price is playing phenomenally uh, through the round robin. Hart looks like everything we ever wanted him to be. This is going to be like a 3-1 to one and that third one's an empty netter every night kind of, kind of series
3: maybe in the handshake line after the flyers win the series carrie price is going to give carter hart a sword <laughs> <laughs> i am here it's for going it to be it's going to be the ceremonial passing of the torch i was except just gonna say, going to say to be i'm here for the dope. passing of the
2: torch narrative in this series let's do it except it's going to be a sword, a sword. <laughs> as was predicted as was predicted.
1: Poor Radko Gudis <laughs> never got his sword.
2: <laughs> he couldn't be trusted.
3: I I probably uh, probably a low scoring series, but um, I I don't I hesitate to say that on the Flyers side because yeah, Carey Price is really good, but so is our offense, and there's really like no stopping the the offense right now. I. Uh, not making a decision i mean most
0: playoff series are low scoring yeah that's true it'll be one thing that's going to be interesting for me is that like and i guess this wasn't across the board and maybe you started seeing it turn the other way especially in game five of that toronto series they called a lot of penalties in those playing games yeah and i'm curious to see if that's going to carry over to the uh to now the actual playoffs like it's possible that the the officials looked at it as like oh these playing rounds aren't really the playoffs we we gotta you know impose our will and and show show them who's boss because this is basically just the prelims and then this round is where they're going to be like okay now we're going to let them play like it's playoff hockey uh but it's going to be interesting it's gonna be something we're watching for today and then uh, and then tomorrow leading up to, to the flyers game but I think there's going to be some games that are low scoring, but I think there's going to be a few games in this series where the Flyers just blow up. Like, a few games where the Flyers score four or five goals because they just yeah. have that ability. Especially the big, the, the big X factor here is that power play. If the power play starts clicking, the Canadians are in real trouble. Yeah, because their the PK sucks. Yeah, the Canadians' penalty kill is bad. It was bad. mean, like they didn't give up a ton of goals against the Penguins, but like they gave up a lot of chances, and they gave up a ton of goals in the regular season and a ton of chances. Like if the Flyers can get that power play going, this could be a really short series because of the high end talent advantage.
3: That, and Montreal that, was in the box a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, everybody was everybody in the, the in the play
3: in series, but like really Montreal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they were chasing around a superior, like, a ta- more talented team. That tends to happen. So. There's a lot of x factors here. The power play, to me, is a big one because if the Flyers' power play gets going, then that... It's just the power play is all about talent, and the Flyers have more talent. So if you get the power play going, that talent gap becomes even more obvious. And you know what I really want? And this this goes back to, I guess, maybe just the idea of winning a series because they haven't won since 2012. But I want the Flyers to be ahead in a series.
1: Yeah. It, It feels
0: like every series they've played... Except for, I guess, that Devil Series, they won game one in 2012. But, like, the Ranger series, they were always coming back from being down a game. They kept responding, but they never were, were taking over a series. Like yeah, they were playing series...
1: that every other game. And when yeah. it's, you know, a seven game series, you're going to eventually be eliminated. And that's, you know, yeah, what like just.
0: Win game one, win game one and let Flyers fans feel, you know, again, what it feels like to be confident in a series, not feeling like you always have to respond. Like don't, don't be a counter puncher. Take the, take the first punch.
3: Yeah. Don't worry. They will. All
1: right. I know Charlie has to get going soon. He's got the media availability. So we're going to wrap this up, but I I listened back to our qualifying round and the play-in round and all the, all the predictions we did from the first round, the pre-first round. And we didn't do a great job of actually making picks. We just kind of, like, made fun of all the teams, which is on (laughs) brand. So I want to make sure we actually make our picks, and I'm going to, like, make a spreadsheet, and there are going to be consequences for this. Uh Someone's going to win this prediction game, and something will happen. Uh, someone's gonna lose. We're actually gonna do that this time. So I want to run through all the series and uh, get the get the predictions started here. Uh, Flyers, Habs. We've been through. Steph said Flyers sweep. Me and Kelly said Flyers in five. Charlie has Flyers in six. So let's get to the uh, the big rematch everyone's looking forward to. David versus Goliath. Tampa versus Columbus. Columbus has a whole bunch of slingshots. Do they do it again? Nah, I got Tampa in six.
3: See, I think Columbus is going to do it because Tampa's so injured. Yeah, And Columbus is in their heads. I think it might go to seven, but I think Columbus is going to do it again.
2: I refuse to pick Uh, them.
0: I'll go Tampa in six. Hot damn. I I agree. I agree. Hedman hurts, but I mean, I just think that I think Tampa is, is, they want revenge and I think they're going to get it.
1: Yeah, this, I'm getting a very, from Tampa, I'm getting a vibe of, boston in 2011 where they were like they had not only wanted to beat us but like really show that last year was a fucking fluke uh tampa in four i'm picking uh four yeah all right they're so much better like they're so much better caps Isles. wow this is this is a the the barry trotz bowl caps in seven
2: Uh. Caps Isles in seven. seven.
1: Ew. Isles in seven. Hate I hate like you. I, I, I don't think
0: the caps are good. Me I'm neither.
2: Sorry. I know, but I, I hate the Islanders, so I have to pick the caps.
3: Steph? <laughs> um, yeah, this is one that I really just don't give a shit about. Um, <laughs> caps in six. God, I hate that, though. Oh, I'm, God, I hate it.
1: I'm saying Isles in six.
3: All right.
1: Trotz so is just going to frustrate his, his old split. his old team. Uh, Carolina and Boston. This is like the only real interesting series in the East to me. Uh, like other than Flyers, Habs, but you know that's us. Uh, I can see this one going either way. Dougie's coming back. It got it. It just got announced before the show. What do you What do you guys think about Carolina in Boston?
3: Canes in six. Ca- Carolina in five.
1: Ooh, spicy. Charles. Um,
0: I, I want to go with Carolina, and I know, it just, Boston is the better team. I'm gonna go Boston
2: <gasps> How so. dare you doubt the Carolina Tulskies? I'm having trouble with turncoat. this one
1: simply, I'm having trouble with this one simply because of the goaltending disparity, mm. and I think that yeah. will ultimately hurt Carolina, but not in this one, because Boston's just playing poorly, and I don't exactly. think they're going to be able to flip a switch against a team that is coming off of a series victory, so I'm saying Carolina in six. Woo. All right, let's head out west. Vegas, Chicago. I think this could be a fun one stylistically, but Vegas is a lot better. How do you think it goes? Vegas, Vegas in and
2: five.
0: In f- Vegas and four. I
2: think
1: Ooh. this is a
0: sweep. I, I think I think Chicago is trash, yeah. especially defensively, and Vegas is just going to eat them alive.
1: Same Z's. Vegas and four. I'll say Vegas and six. I think Chicago's experience gives them a little bit of something, but no. it's not going to be particularly close. Colorado, Arizona, I'm just going to say it, Avs in four. What do you guys think?
2: I got abs in six. I
1: was being generous.
3: Oh, I love the Coyotes. I love them, and I think that they're starting to put something together. So, like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. My, uh, my gut says Arizona in seven. All right. Oh,
1: God,
0: I'll say abs in five.
1: Man, if Arizona wins this series, that's just another. Like, I keep looking for teams that could potentially beat the Flyers. And, uh, man, if, if Colorado's out. I know. Ooh, baby. It's good. Because <laughs> that's my Stanley Cup final. Uh, Dallas and Calgary. Man, this one I don't. This is the one I don't give a shit about.
2: Calgary in six.
1: Let's Dallas. Go, Dallas six.
0: Let's
2: go Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: I'm going Calgary in six. It's funny. Doubt Dal- like Dallas Stars fans, they all think
3: Dallas is going to
1: lose.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think like Micah might be the only person picking Dallas to win this series.
3: I just said Dallas in
2: six. Oh, did you? I missed it. Sorry. Yeah,
0: because like, I hate ta-
2: Calgary. Micah and but, like, Steph you, Driver.
0: You, you talk to Dallas fans, they're like, they're not going to
1: win. They can't score. They never score. <laughs> and, and this wow. is their fan base. <laughs> this is a tough. Ugh. Calgary and six, I guess, is the safe bet here. That's how awesome. I mean, the safe Calgary. bet is
0: Dallas because they are better. It's just that they don't
1: they? score ever. Calgary's not good. I don't like either of these te- Like, I don't think either of these teams are good. No. Like, I didn't pick Calgary to win their, their play-in. But yeah, now but that know, they're I there, I just don't like what Dallas does.
3: God, and I hate Dallas, too, because, God, for like five years, I would pick them to win, and they never did.
1: You know what? I, I'm changing. This is going to be a torturous series, and it's going to be Dallas in seven. That's what it's going to be.
3: I just, I hate this series, so yeah. I, I picked Dallas in six, but know that no matter what the result is, I'm going to be angry.
1: Fair. All right, and rounding, rounding it out, Blues Canucks. We have the defending champs against uh, Vancouver. I, I like Vancouver. I just don't think they're ready yet. I got Blues in five. I'll say Blues and six.
3: Canucks in seven.
1: Ooh. Hmm. I'll say I'll say Blues and five as well. Do we I, all get I, to sing
2: Gloria again? Is that going to be a thing? That was fun.
1: I like that. Was it no, though? because
2: it was the Flyers are in the playoffs. Was it though? We danced to it at Kurt's wedding.
3: It was a party.
1: Oh, well, there you go. That'll be nice. <laughs>
3: The Flyers are in the playoffs. That's the only rooting interest we have. Fair.
1: Yeah, I hate everyone now. They're all my enemy. <laughs>
3: they're all enemies. We could, see them, we could see them in the finals. Like,
1: typically, I like a team out west and everything. But, like, now, since I think the Flyers are going to the cup final, no, I don't even like the teams out west. Fuck them, too. Yeah, I can't root for exactly. the Ads to get
2: to the final because I don't want to have to play them in the final because they're really good, even though I have them in the final. But,
1: you know. And to close it out, I just want to wish a big congratulations to our favorite train station inhabitants, the New York Rangers, winning the draft lottery. You are well on your way to becoming the next Edmonton Oilers or Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> way to go, <laughs> Rangers! <laughs> hip, hip, hooray! You you're Good for you guys up there. Uh, also, LOL Toronto Maple Leafs. Anyone <laughs> else have anything else before we uh, say goodbye? Nope. And that is all the time Wait, we have thought- for you. I thought
3: I had something. Shit. No, I definitely (laughs) did have something to say. Crushed it. (laughs) <laughs> I'm doing Prophene. great, guys. I definitely had something else to say at the end of the show, and
1: <laughs> this is
0: extremely Steph I Driver.
1: Sure send it to me in a uh, send it to me in a voice message whenever you remember, and we can put it in at the end, like after the closing credits. Because like, I
3: absolutely did have something to say, and all right, great. We're we're doing great. All right, yeah.
1: Like after night, the, are you ready to talk about sports? Like then Steph's idea five minutes later.
3: Record scratch.
2: <laughs> insert Steph Driver's yeah. idea.
1: all right that is all the time we have for you on broad street hockey radio this week thank you for listening thank you for hanging out if you haven't already hit that subscribe button just search broad street hockey wherever there are podcasts and then boom all sorts of content delivered to you and now our post games are live on twitch that's right bsh under B-S-H underscore radio. Uh, the post games, I will be doing them still. If, you, if you've logged on Facebook the last couple games, and have been like, what the hell's going on? Uh, I'm on Twitch now. We hate Facebook. It doesn't look like Twitch is trying to manipulate the election, so we're going to stay there for a little bit at least. Uh, <laughs> just lost 12 listeners. Uh, yeah, so that's it. Twitch, uh, subscribe to the podcast feed. Uh, go Flyers. That's all. So have a great week, everybody. Are you ready to talk about yeah. Hey.